You are now listening to a member of the Disney Podcast family. Head over to Disney Podcast family on Instagram to see all the latest posts for this show and links to other great Disney podcasts. I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. Good evening. Tonight's episode will be a break from the norm. We are still the Decast, but today we will use whatever platform we might have to talk about certain social injustices. Today we stand, kneel, or lie face down for those that continually get abused by a system that is supposed to serve and protect, but manages only to terrify and destroy. My name is Chris and it is my honor to record beside three men and three women that continue to humble me with their passion, their grace, and their knowledge. On behalf of Andy, Brooke, David, Amber, Sean, Megan, and Tim, this is the Decast, and here, Black Lives Matter. How's everybody doing? Doing, doing all right. okay. How's everybody doing? All right. All right. I do want to uh, say up the front here, as Chris noted um, at the beginning of the episode there with his wonderful intro, that things are going to look a little different today. And uh, we've only done something like this a few other times before. Once um, after the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando in 2016, and then another time uh, during um, uh, the Me Too movement. We took time, but this one feels a little heavier. And I just want to let our listeners know this is going to be a serious episode. We want this to be as family friendly as possible. Um, we're not going to shy away from issues, though. We want this to be an episode where you, you could let your children listen to and, and have a conversation with you about these very important issues. And um, we will not be monetizing this episode, and we're going to be encouraging you at the end of the show to donate um, to either the ACLU or the NAACP to make progress in these very important issues. So I just want to say that up front. Um, this is all of us are in agreement. The, this is us using our platform to have a conversation um, about the issues that matter. And yes, we lo- we all love Disney and that is the one, that's the thing that unites us and we all come from b- different backgrounds. And, um, but you know, we all understand that black lives matter. And this is a very important conversation that has to be had right now because change has to happen. Need to. Yeah. <clears throat> Agreed. So we are going to stumble through a little bit and air out our, our thoughts and our feelings. There have been some recent uh, good news slash revelations right. in terms of uh, what was initially sentenced. And we'll go through some ways that you can help, some ways that you can cope. Uh, let it be said that uh, we, we stand strong with with everything here, but on the surface, you know, uh, David is the only, uh, I guess, black co-host among us. Um, everyone else is 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 of of white color, and and so we can't put ourselves in the same shoes as as a lot of what's happening. 
But what we can do is continue to stand in front and protect and use our voice, like I said, in our platforms in order to ensure that it stops in any way that we can. So uh, forgive us if sometimes we might speak on a level that you go, well, how would you know, or how would this, we, we don't, we're, we're just trying to emotionally connect with everything and, and, and put our rage collectively into words uh, that make sense and that elicit change. So, yeah. Absolutely. So for me, I mean, I, I love uh, forums like this where, I mean, you can just, just talk. Um, people need to not be afraid to talk. Um, not be afraid that they'll fumble their words or they're they're coming from a different, you know, they, everyone in some sense views the world through a different lens. And, and it's okay to have a conversation. Um, you can have a conversation without being accusatory. You can have a conversation without bashing someone's thought or, or, or throwing out accusations. Especially you can have a conversation like that when you when you have, um, like I do with you guys, have a have a bond. You know, I, I formed a bond with each and every one of you guys. And, and I know your guys' hearts. And so if I... You know, whether I say something wrong and you call me out or you say something, I call you out. We know where each other is coming from and stuff. And we need to see more of that, more conversations that are being had out there. And and for me, I mean, I just want to kind of talk about what what prompted, what started this this what is now a, a, a movement. I say a movement with wills. Because things are progressing and then there's actual there's actual measurable changes and stuff that's happening and stuff. And and what what sparked this is, you know, there, there's there's a gentleman, a 46 year old man by the name of uh, George Floyd. And on Memorial Day, he was uh, he was stopped, you know, uh, by the police. Um, they you know, it was uh, said, you know, he tried to pass off a, a, a fake twenty dollar bill and. And anyway, where it kind of um, picked up was there was a 17-year-old uh, black uh, girl, child, who was videotaping um, police having Floyd uh, on the ground. And there's uh, two cops holding uh, him down. There's a cop that is putting his knee on Floyd's neck. And then there's another cop who is kind of crowd control so to speak and you can hear and what's tragic is that this video it's a 10 minute video and you can hear this man um beg <laughs> plead you know for his for his life he's he he can't you know he's telling them i i can't breathe he's something my my chest hurts my you know my stomach hurts i i need water you you can see all the way up until the moment where he just stops talking. And those, meanwhile, this whole time of pleading, this one cop is just his knee and the weight of his body is just on this man's neck. And you see the crowd is, you know, hysterical, rightfully so, because they feel, and again, rightfully so, they watched somebody just get murdered. And when I saw that, I, it came across my Facebook feed and um, I, it, it, it hit me different. I, you know, growing up, growing up as a, as a, as a, as, as a black kid into a black man with a black father, uh, being a black father with, with children, 
Um, you know, I'm no stranger to, um, you know, racism being, uh, you know, um, no, no stranger to adversity or, or any of that, but, um, and, you know, I, I would always tell people it's the same, you know, same story, you know, uh, new name, new city, something, you know, something happens unarmed, everything else is, it's just going to kind of play out, you know, the, this, it, it was almost, and I hate to say it, it was just an acceptable part of society and and just to survive here in in the country that i love and but watching that unfold on my social media it it just hit different i i watched this guy who wasn't he wasn't fighting he was he was completely detained he was handcuffed there wasn't you know he wasn't you know there you know wasn't cursing at the cops he wasn't he was he was begging and pleading where, where no human being in, in, in the freest country in the world should ever have to do um, with people who are, whose job it is, is to protect and serve. You know, it's, it's liberty for all, which is, you know, all colors, all backgrounds, you know, um, and we got to watch someone be judge, jury, and executioner and just kill somebody right then and there. That obviously and rightfully so sparked something in everybody who saw it. And people took to, to, to social media, people took to the streets, people, this, this, this video is the, was the catalyst for a lot of pain that's been going on in this country. And it's, it did something that I haven't seen in my entire life was getting people who I love and care about getting people who are not people of color, white people predominantly to not be silent to, to speak out on this, you know, I, I have never seen so many people speak out and, and f- for those who don't know, speaking out is huge. It's huge because, you know, the, the problem with, in my opinion, with institutional racism will never get resolved by us, you know, by, by the people who are, you know, who, who's experiencing it. It wasn't, it was the same, it's the same thing with, with slavery. Slavery wasn't, it didn't end because slaves decided we're done being slaves. It ended because very caring, very conscious white people said enough is enough. They're human beings too. That was back then. And we went to war over over that and stuff. So it was it was white people then. It's going to take white people now to to effectively make change. And, I, and in my opinion, I'm seeing that happen. I I can't tell you how I, I sit back and I want to I want to hug all my friends I see um, speaking out against it. Because I see because with any time an incident like this happens, you see negativity. You see, there's your, you know, there's the common people who defend things like, you know, we don't really know what's going on. We don't know the person's background, which as if that ever mattered. I mean, you're, you're dealing with something in the moment. You know, it doesn't matter if the person was a lawyer or a janitor or anything. It, it doesn't, you're, you know, so I never really understood that. But but it was a it's a common defense, you know, hoping you'll know, find something in the background. But um. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I can I can talk forever, and I want this to be an open dialogue with everybody else, and kind of get a sense of what you guys were kind of feeling and about this and stuff. Because I can I can share, and I got more to share and stuff too. But I, I do want to make this a, a 
you know, an open dialogue for everybody to talk. So, I think for me, um, David, first of all, I just want, I want to thank you for just being willing to share your experiences on here and and uh, really kind of leading us and helping all of us um, on the decast in the chat willing to call us out which i've seen you've called me out you've called a lot of us out on things that we just didn't know and you've always we, we've always knew that when you did it it wasn't out of spite it's like hey no don't do that not cool and um i think we need to be willing to have those conversations and have those people in our lives who yeah they, they can call you out and it's fine and we learn from it well one thing that's really has hit me over the last few years is my perspective has changed on everything is a conversation that a lot of us are afraid to have. And that's this white privilege. Um, as, as a, as myself as a white straight male, you know, former, very conservative. I grew up in a system that it was made to elevate me. And it wasn't until I saw, and you always hear about this stuff. And then it wasn't until I saw systemic racism and particularly, um, the Hispanic community. I was serving a nonprofit in Northern California and I saw how um, law enforcement treated that community and treated those teenagers. And then when they dealt with me, it was completely different. And I always wonder, well, why is that? And then as time goes on, you just, you hear and see things, you hear things, and then you see things. And as my perspective was changing on, on things, I began to have a more diverse friend group. I'm like, wow, I can do stuff that my friends who are people of color cannot do. I mean, just last week, um, my son and I, there's a construction site near our home and we like to, we walk on the street beside it. We kind of hike around it because the hiking trails have been closed because of the pandemic. And it hit me like, Ahmad Aubrey jogged through a construction site and he's dead now. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, my son and I, you know, we, he rode his bike. I walked with our dog through a construction site. There were still construction workers there, you know, didn't get stopped, didn't get second look because we're white and that's that's white privilege um and we have to recognize that we have to come to grips with that and if there's one thing i did learn in film school i went to film school during the whole um me too movement is to leverage our privilege to elevate the voices the voices of people of color lgbtq community community uh women to use our privilege as my mind as a white straight male to elevate those voices and seek justice and equality absolutely uh, there's not there's no more powerful weapon than than using using your voice i mean being silent is is as we can see now is not it's not an option it, it, it just isn't if we really want want change if you really were horrified by what what you saw and what you've been seeing and stuff and and the pain that you're, you're maybe a, a loved one or a person uh, you know if you have a, a personal color friend or or someone who is a part of a community that's just discriminated against that, that when you when you see that pain and you feel that you, you can no longer go backwards you can't you can't put the blinders on you can't ignore it you can't say well i'm not I'm not this, I'm, you know, I'm not racist. I'm not, I'm not prejudiced. I'm not, you know, that. So, you know, I'm a good person. Um, it doesn't affect me. So I'm just going to live a good life and stuff. Um, we're, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but this world, we, we all don't have our own worlds. This is a, a world that is built on the community and, you know, 
I I'm I'm your neighbor. <laughs> I'm I'm your friend, your coworker, um other people whether you you have a disability like Andy said, so uh you're you know transgender, someone who what whatever it is, we're we're all part of the same community and stuff. And so being silent is just just as bad as the person who's doling out that injustice and stuff because it's it's going unnoticed and we noticed that we noticed the silence i've i mean i i've i've told i shared a story and i'll real quick uh share this story too to kind of give some perspective um when i was in when i was in college um you know i'm i'm an educated black man when i was in college um i was 19 and me and my friend we went to uh, a wilson's leather as a store to go uh, buy you know we saved up money and we're gonna buy some leather jackets and stuff and i remember my friend who's white he found you know he found his jacket first you know he you know he was you know putting it on trying it on the you know the girl came over um and he asked you know how much how much is this it didn't he couldn't find the price tag or whatever she said you know it's eight it's eight hundred and something dollars and he's like okay cool and he's you know he's looking around and she's like you know if you need anything and she goes off um so we you know so so he puts it back and he we're still kind of looking around and i find this brown leather and suede jacket that i like and i you know i called the same girl over and i asked like hey uh you know how much how much is this one and she's like yeah that one that one's four hundred dollars it's pretty expensive can i can let me can i show you something you know oh. a little more affordable and and I looked at that and I looked, I looked over at my friend cause I, I knew what, what was, you know, I said, you know, no, I'm, I'm okay. I'm still, I'm just still kind of looking, you know, I, I, I looked over at my friend, my friend is kind of oblivious to, you know, everything. So I kind of took him off to the side when she went, went away and, Oh, she also said, you know, if you want to try it on, just come get me. And cause you have to, you know, I have to make sure, you know, you go into the dress room. She did this whole thing and stuff. Um, you know, it's been 20 years ago, so I'm a little fuzzy on the details, but she, um, so I took him off to the side. I'm like, dude, do you, do you see that? And, you know, and he's like, what? And I'm like, she, she's like, you know, and I told him, I'm like, you know, she's like, well, that's expensive. The $400 jacket is expensive. She didn't say any, she didn't comment anything about your age. And he gave me the whole, you're just, it's fine. You're just looking at stuff. She was just being helpful. That's just, you know, it's, it's that the demissiveness, you know, that hurt me worse than what she said. She assumed that, you know, I, I, I might, I don't know what she was, whether I was going to steal it or I couldn't afford it or what have you, but that didn't hurt me as much as having a friend um who just <laughs> who just couldn't see it even when i explaining it to you explaining to him like this is what was happening and stuff it, it, there's this there's this notion still of disbelief like oh you're, you're you're reading into it too much you're you're looking for stuff and i'm like trust me i i don't want to look for anything i just want the, you know the it's it's you you'll always know when you're treated differently um you know and and you know i'm i'm over the years you kind of become an expert at it you, you know you get the the rolled eyes the people who cross the street the the clutch purse um you get the the drum roll i call it the drum roll of the parking lot when you walk to your car and you hear the the do 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 people locking their doors as you walk by and stuff uh, which i've had it, it's it it becomes noticeable and 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 I don't know about you, but after a while, you have to do something with that because it doesn't feel good. 
you know, you, you bottle it up or you try to share it with your friends, your allies and stuff. Um, and sometimes you can't, you know, and in the spirit of keeping your friendship because they, they're kind of tired of hearing about it or, you know, they don't, you know, they're, they don't want to be for you, be there for you in that way. It's, it's, it's tough. You know, and, that, and that's just my own personal experience. It, it's just it's just those things. So seeing people speak up and not be silent, I can't tell you how much that means and stuff in this moment and stuff. Because it, it's, you know, I I hope and I, and I pray that it doesn't change. It, it This momentum continues to go. Because we we need change. We I I can't tell you how horrible uh, it is to have to have a conversation with your child and prepare them. Like you never want to have a, a conversation with your kid and tell them that there's a chance that you could die for doing nothing. So here's the what I've learned how you have to kind of navigate the world and stuff. That sucks. That's that shouldn't be on anybody's plate for them to do but but it is and so we're here and we have people who are starting to see that and like i say it's not going to be by people who ends the shit the, i excuse my language the stuff that's going on it's going to be it's going to be um white people the majority of the people who have the power the people who can make a difference and stuff and the one of the biggest things i always tell people besides just not being silent is you, you have to you have to speak at the ballot we have to we have to demand change. If if the people who are in charge who make the rules and the laws aren't willing to change, they they can't serve us. They have to serve the whole community, not just some of us and stuff. And so that's I I just wanted to share that. So thank you. Yeah, I was pretty young. Uh, let's say I was about twenty one years old. Twenty years old. I was working at a restaurant in Louisiana in Baton Rouge and which is a nice big college town. And we were open till two o'clock in the morning, which meant we would all leave about three, three thirty, depending on how busy we were. So I was the only uh, white person. I was the manager and I had an employee and her name was, Gosh, it's it's been a long time. I think it was Charmel or Char Char something. She was a uh, really really in- incredible worker, and she had a very very young daughter, and she lived in a pretty bad part of Baton Rouge. And her boyfriend would always pick her up, and, but then there were times when he couldn't, and I would take her home. And I was taking her home one night. And a cop pulled a Yui behind us. And even though I had experienced being the only white person in the car before, uh, being pulled over by police before, being told that uh, her guttural reaction is something that's uh, that stayed with me my entire life. When when the cop turned around, um, she like gripped her seatbelt really tight, and then she put her hand on my arm, and it was shaking so much that I I thought she was like seizing. And I said, what's going on? And she said, straight faced with the biggest pupils I've ever seen, please don't let them take me out of this car. And I, I, I was thinking to myself, what in the heck is she talking about? And so they pull me over and the police officer walks up 
and he already has his hand at his hip. And then his his flashlight. Now, now me, I've always I've already rolled down my window. I've taken out my insurance, my license, and I've got it against my steering wheel. And the minute his flashlight touched my skin, he moved his hand away. And he simply asked, what's going on? Didn't say anything else. He had no reason, no reason to pull us over. He just pulled me over. He didn't say, you, you know, I pulled you over because of this and that. He said, what's going on? And I said, I'm just taking a coworker home. And then I'm going to go home myself. We work at Raising Cane's. There's the name of the place. We work at Raising Cane's. We were open late tonight. And I'm just taking her home. And he like looked at her and he looked at me and he looked at her and he looked back at me and he said, are you sure? And I said, of course I'm sure. Yeah. And he goes, have a nice night. He gets in his car and he drives off. And I s- kind of sat there for a second. And I said, what would have happened if that would have been your boyfriend here instead of me? And she said, I don't know, but I might not have come into work tomorrow. And I said, then why don't you let me take you home from now on? And uh, if that's okay with him. And she said, I don't care if it's okay with him. You're taking me home from now on. <laughs> She's like, I've never, I've never seen anybody, you know, pa- pause a cop like that in my entire life. And I said, okay. So I, I took her home until I stopped working there. Um, but it was, it was a crazy experience. And then here, even in our own, small little town. I was a manager for Wendy's and my entire crew was Hispanic. Um, it was, uh, two sisters and two cousins and all female. <laughs> and they were, and we'd, they'd have a couple males that would rotate in and out, but five nights a week, it was primarily a bunch of, of, of females. And, uh, we would stand around and talk for a while afterwards. And one night in particular, we're standing outside of Wendy's and it was, you know, one o'clock in the morning, somewhere around there. And a police officer pulls in the parking lot and calls me over while everyone else is standing there. And so I walk over and he says, are you okay? And I said, well, that's a strange question. And he goes, he goes, I mean, are you okay? And I was like, am I okay standing amongst all the Hispanic people? Yes, they work with me. I'm fine. And he goes, well, you don't have to have an attitude. I'm like, I don't have an attitude. I'm like, we're, st- we're standing there outside of a Wendy's. And he goes, okay, well, we had a call about suspicious activity. And I said, noise? And he goes, no. And I said, well, what's, what's suspicious, officer? And he goes, have a nice night. They'll, <laughs> never, they'll never tell. Yeah, oh, they'll, they'll never tell. Yeah, no. of course not. And so I walk over there and, and like, like I, I was laughing embarrassingly and uh one of them one of them uh, kind of looked at me and, and they said were they worried that we were gonna kidnap you and i was like yeah that that four tiny hispanic women were gonna we're gonna grab a 300 pound man i was only 300 pounds at the time and run off with me apparently so you know, oh wow. thank thank god that you guys that he was here to save me from you four so yeah it's it's uh it's 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 pretty nuts the 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 things that that just happen because you have a different color to your skin. Uh, I I think that the 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 racism has become well. Is anyone has seen babies react or little kids react? You know that racism is taught. Mm-hmm. It's, Absolutely, it's, it's not Absolutely. ingrained. 
it, it's taught. It's taught at, at, at every level. It's, it's kids watching their parents make comments or act a certain way. And then it's a learned behavior. Mm-hmm. And the best way to stop it is to stop it. Um, watch what you say, watch what you do. Uh, and you have to fight yourself sometimes. It is. I, I was talking with someone yesterday. I used to have a stigma against tattoos. Um, I used to think that they related to, to, I guess, unkeptness. And, and when I was a restaurant manager in my early 20s, I hate to admit it, but if you had visible tattoos, I did not invite you back for a second interview. And it was something I had to get past, especially now that I have a tattoo of my own. Um, but at the time, I just, I didn't, it, I, I thought it made you look unclean. I, I just, I judged the tattoo without knowing the character of the person. And uh, until I met some of the best people in my life who had tattoos and it, it was, it was such a weird, <laughs> such a weird thing to judge someone for, but I mean, I have to, I have to own up to it. I, I, I did it. I did it consistently and until I stopped doing it because I had to make the conscious decision to say, you know, that, that my, my line of thinking was, was incorrect and that I myself was incorrect. And then I had to uh, kind of force myself to adjust the way that I viewed the world. And I know that's such a small pocket, but it was an important discovery for me to, to know that I was doing it without even realizing it. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know where I got it from. I, I know my mom hated tattoos. Uh, so that, that could possibly be it. I know she always said that if we got a tattoo, she'd scrub it off with a Brillo pad. Oh, well, that um, would be right. <laughs> so yeah, so, so, so there's definitely a Freudian thing somewhere in there. And so ironically, I got a tattoo to honor her when she passed. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Advantage Chris. So yeah. Well, here's the thing. I mean, our, our, we, we subconsciously, our, our subconscious really does inform a lot of what we what we do and and how we act and stuff um so you know people who um you know they they say you know i'm well you know i'm i'm not racist or are are i i love the um and and this is this is my least favorite thing they hear from people and i've called people out on this before is i don't see i don't see color you know and 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 I, I'm going to tell you guys who, who maybe the audience who, who don't know when you say that to somebody of color, it's, it's, a, it's an incredibly insulting thing because yeah. what you're saying to that person to the, to me is that you have to pretend that my color or my, my body that is here forever is invisible in order for you to, to see me and I'm I'm telling you, it, it, that's that's the wrong way. See my color. Don't judge me based off of my color. Judge me off of my attitude or how I treat you or or the kind of person I am. But but to say I'm just going to ignore that thing, you know, the, your 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 blackness and stuff, and pretend it doesn't exist, so we can continue. You know, don't don't do that. Don't say you don't see, see my color. Please do see it. Just you know, don't don't treat me based off of what you may you may think about, you know, someone who walks in my color and stuff is, you know, I'm, you know, I, I constantly have to, 
tell people, you know, my, my color's not a weapon. You know, don't don't weaponize that. Um, you know, it's it's you know, I'm a, I'm a big, pretty, you know, solid built uh, black man and stuff. Um, I'm I'm a, I'm a sweetheart. Well, some people think I'm a sweetheart, but um, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I have flaws. I love things. I, I'm an I'm a huge Marvel nerd. You know, I'm I'm see me. I'm happy to share me and stuff and who I am. And but people have to figure out how to kind of get past their own biases and stuff because people don't think, you know, subconscious, no, no one, people, people would say, you know, I have black friends, I have uh, black coworkers, I have, you know, black this, or, you know, a, a neighbor down the street that that's black. I don't hate them. Therefore I can't be racist. I can't say racist things. I can't think race, you know, I, I, I'm not racist because I'm not a hateful person. And and racism isn't always all only about hate, you know. Mm-hmm. You don't have to 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 act racist or to to participate in racism. You don't have to hate the the person of color or anything. You can be indifferent to what that person is going through. You can be dismissive about you know um, things that they they share and stuff. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different things that you, you could do without actually hating the person that can be very hurtful to a, to another person and stuff. And, and with that, I, I do want to, I do want to kind of talk about so, so the, the, the police and stuff. Uh, Cause I, I have cops in my family. I have an uncle whose same name as me, uncle Dave. He's a, a California highway patrolman. I have another cousin who, who's a, um, a corrections officer at Folsom State Prison in, in, in Folsom, which is right next door to Sacramento. Um, it, it, the issue is that, you know, they work in jobs that is about life and death. And, you know, I've posted about this before. I've heard, you know, comedians talk about it. You know, Chris Rock is probably one of the most, he said, one of the most famous, most prophetic things I've ever heard when he talked about you know like the airlines the airlines deal believe it or not in life and death that job is very extremely hard to be a pilot because you're 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 responsible for the safety and security of everybody on that plane and to think if if an airline was to ever tell you um yeah we have a few bad apples um you know that work for our airlines you know we have some pilots who who love taking off and landing and getting you to your destination but we have a couple who you know they like to crash and you know but we just have to kind of accept that you know imagine that you know imagine if if you go to a hospital and they tell you like yeah, our doctors, our surgeons, you know, we, we have a few bad apples, you know, there's people, you know, we have guys who really care about you and they want to see the surgery too. And then we have, we have some doctors and surgeons who like to experiment and sometimes you may die. I mean, it's just, it's just the thing we have to accept. We have a few bad apples and stuff. And, and my point is there is no other profession that deals with life and death that that's, that's high risk like that, that accepts bad apples. And that that will defend it or have people defended and stuff. You know, we're not we're not, you know, we we I say we're not, you know, against, you know, um, you know, uh, police, you know, they have they have a hard job. I mean, they see the ugliness of our society and stuff. Um, my, my thing is, you know, you have to you have there's policies we have to help 
them change and reform to get rid of bad apples and stuff. That blue wall, that blue shield, that that in my opinion needs to go. It's it it's it's I don't know if I can tell you from being inside of a, a policeman's mind who who sees maybe they can go and report their uh, coworker or not, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it unfold where a, a good cop arrests the bad cop and stuff. Um, but I have heard till the end of time that you know we have a few bad apples, and it's it's as if that's acceptable. And I'm telling you, it's not. You hear people say that, call them out. And, you know, it's it's not it's not acceptable. We need to do better. We need to change and stuff. You know, I support police. I want police to do a good job. They're they're necessary for having a, 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 a good society. But I want them to, you know, you know, it's liberty and justice and protect and serve everybody and stuff. And, you know, and, and, and right now, one of the things I've have seen cops speak out i've seen which is which is also another new thing too i've seen cops you know they're you know marching with people for change and speaking out against the bad cops and stuff and and i'm actually seeing i mean there's 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 actual laws there's a you know thing in san francisco and california leading the way they're making some changes about their hiring practice you know if you have if, if you're a police officer who has um um, uh, you know, complaints and a bad jacket, you know, in, in, and misconduct and everything else, you need to find employment elsewhere. We can't risk all the stuff we work towards our community to, to hire you. That's a step. That's a very positive step. And I hope other places adopt yeah. that. And that's coming out of this. And it's coming out of having conversations like this and people sharing and talking. And because when you do that, you start thinking about, the solutions. What can we do? What, whether it's a small step or not, a million small steps is a is a over a mile. It, it, it's a big change from where we were, and we have to keep that momentum. But yeah, I just want to say, I'm you know, it's not a against cops or anything. You know, like I say I have cops in my family. You know, and, and I I want nothing more for them to come home safe. You know, because I, I understand what that job entails, but that job. It can't be a job where it accept bad apples. It's just yeah, can't be. It, also, we have to realize that though, you know, there are there are good cops and backups. The, the the culture within a police department that allows bad apples mm-hmm. is unacceptable. So the overall culture has to be changed. Agreed. I, I I I knew it was always kind of there. Um, I mean, for instance, doing foster and adoptive care, we've we've had children who were very very you know, rowdy and, you know, would run away and would cause damage, property damage. And I had a local, a local law enforcement officer tell me I needed to quote unquote, beat the kids a, um, my face. Um, that's unacceptable. (laughs) I I reported in the DHS. Um, and I don't know whatever happened to that, but that that's the culture within the department that allows that. And didn't, it really hit me when I saw black Klansman, um, over a year ago, there's the, uh, scene where um Den- denzel denzel washington's son i can't remember his name at the top of my head he plays he, play, he plays uh, the main character and he's asking about this bad cop in the department and adam driver's character says you know he's he's been a bad cop for a while and he's like why don't you do anything about it it's like because cops don't rat out other cops it's just the culture and it just kind of hit me he's like wow like that that makes sense now it just totally was this light bulb moment like that is the kind of culture we're seeing in departments like yeah he's a bad cop he's not great but we don't rat each other out and that has to change 
Yeah, it's the blue line that it it, do, it does needs to change. If you want to have the the public the public trust and stuff, it, they they have to fill that what whatever the issue they have, it will be heard and not ignored. But when you have something like that built in, that you know you know they you always hear the whole um the uh, I'm I'm sure you guys heard them like the the the, the no stitch no snitching you know, policy, you know, on the, on the street and stuff. And, and yeah, yeah. All that, you know, is that, is that culture? It's that, you know, street culture, you don't snitch, you don't do cops. It's, it's kind of the same culture. They don't, they don't snitch on each other. They don't, they don't do, they don't step. And I hate using the word snitch. They don't step up and, and call people out for, for their actions and be, it be yeah, so they can be held accountable and stuff. There's a culture that exists there that exists you know, it's a reflection of what 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 they argue against on the street and stuff about. You know, no, no one's being helpful. No one's helping us bring out the bad guy. Well, you're, you're not doing it in your own in your own house. You know, you have to clean that up. And and the thing is, I I, I believe you know, like I I want to make it so it's easy for them to do that to make sure if they're if you don't have the tools to do that. Let's make sure that, you know, legislation, we pat, we give you the tools so you can do that and stuff. Part of that, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, is I, I find it incredibly um, um, silly. I, I don't know what the word is. The fact that um, it takes you a lot longer to do a lot of other professions than it does to be a cop. Like you, you really, I mean, someone made the analogy about being a hairdresser, you yep. go to school yep. for a couple of years and stuff to, you know, to learn how to use a, a hot comb and a blow dryer the right way to be a cop. It does not take that much training. Yep. It does not take that much training and stuff. Unless if, if they're in desperate need of, of, a, of, a, of a body and stuff. So it's, that's one thing I would change is that level of training um, to, to become a cop because a cop should be a, a, a thing of prestige. It should be a, a, a place where there's a higher standard because you're dealing with people's lives, you know? It, so that's, yeah. Uh, the, 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 the bad men in question, let's, let's talk a little bit. Derek Chauvin, Alexander yes. Kwong, Tao Tao and Thomas Lane. Lane. Now the, the, the good news is that, They've they've arrested the three uh, Kyung Tao and Lane have been um, they've been in custody and, and now they've officially uh, been uh, charged with with something I think it's, it's like aiding uh, and abetting or something yeah uh, which is which is awesome and uh, Chauvin's receiving a as as should be uh, so much criticism but upon further digging the really sad story is, is this could have been prevented. Uh, I don't know, 17 infractions ago. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 16 yep. years in the force. Yep. And that's where a huge problem lies is when these officers make mistakes, uh, even fatal ones or make decisions. I should say uh, they're usually rehomed. They're mm-hmm. not, they don't have their badge pulled. They don't, they don't go under something. I, I was talking with a military man, and he said that that the penalty for killing an innocent person in the middle, in a time of war, in another country that you're at war with, is almost ten times more severe than yep. killing an innocent person on the street as a police officer. Yep. You could be court-martialed. You could be 
dishonorably discharged, which is yep. the worst. You'll have your 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 rank pulled. You'll never be able to touch a gun again. You could possibly face charges in the country you were in. Exactly. Yes. Yes. A citizen of, which yep. is ten times worse. Like right. what could happen in another country, mm-hmm. you know, that you're not a citizen of. Your rights and, are gone. And yep. that right there speaks volumes. The 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 fact that the military knows enough to say, look, this can't happen. And if this does happen, you will be held accountable to the fullest extent of the law. Yep. And I'm not saying that it doesn't, that cover-ups don't happen. I, I can't, I, I'm not there. So, yeah. but what I, what I can say is that for the most part, military people are aware of what happens if innocents die by their gun. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is, is that if you talk to most people and you, you see these interactions where they're approaching cars with guns drawn, you know, Touching your gun, that's the warning. Pulling your gun means it's done. I'm pulling it to fire. So when they pull their gun to approach cars, they've already lost the de-escalation, which should be their number one priority. Uh De-escalate everything they come to the scene with. Absolutely. Um, And I think when stuff like this happens, the penalty has to be quick. It has to be harsh. Uh They have to be retrained. And maybe some of them have to go through psychological evaluations, possibly every year. These guys are going through warfare sometimes, you know, and, and it's it's not easy to be a police officer. But if you can't handle it, don't quit. do it. It's a job. It's yeah. a job. You can it's quit. You know, if you're that scared approaching a car, which I get it. If you're that scared approaching a car in the middle of the night where you don't know what's happening, quit. Because all you're doing is putting everyone in that car and yourself in danger when you walk up skittish with your hand already on your pistol. So that's that. Accountability. Yep. And uh, John David Washington is Denzel's son's name. Yes. Thank you. And my goodness, he sounds just like him if you close your eyes. He does. (laughs) My man. man. My man. So, yeah. So I'm glad to see that they're starting to move forward. I'm glad to see that the autopsies are being... There was a second one done because the initial one that they did was obviously by a police one uh, mm-hmm. because their job is to protect mm-hmm. the police. But, uh, you know, you're going to you're going to hear a lot more coming up, I believe, in the next couple of days about what's going to happen. But, you know, and, and the, it's just a few hours ago, the, the main officer, his um, charges got moved from got elevated. To second degree murder. Yep. Good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so the other three, uh, aiding and abetting second-degree murder and aiding and abetting manslaughter. Yeah. That's what that's what's happening right now. And the, the thing of it is, is that it's it's the more you find out about just this little 10-minute interaction, the worse it looks. Mm-hmm. Especially when you consider that they had a man who wasn't feeling well, face down, handcuffed. And it's not like George Floyd was a giant man, you know? He's not, you know... Forgive me for calling it, David. He's not. He wasn't your size. He's 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 not. You know, a two hundred plus pound man just stacked. He he was being held by three grown men, <clears throat> one at his legs, one at his back, and one on his neck. And the gentleman on his neck had his hands in his pockets, very calmly, you know. And and the fact that people around them were were almost begging, please, please. All he had to do was adjust his stance. Yeah. You know, that's it. He could have knelt next to him. He didn't have to kneel on him. He was he was pacified. For three minutes, he was passed out, and the guy continued to have his his knee there. Yep. Oh, yeah. And then the other, you know, the other officer, like, 
if you notice at one point, uh, Thou literally adjusts himself to to kind of move in front as the as the photographers begin to get closer. And so he doesn't turn around. He doesn't check. This man is is calling for his his mother, his life. He's saying, "Help me!" And the people who are supposed to be helping him are holding him down. And that's the most discouraging part about all this. Even after all the convictions, if if when they happen, even after yeah. everything that's happened, is that you know a son lost his his dad, uh, parents lost a child, and and a, a man died for a counterfeit bill that that store has now said they will not call the authorities about anymore, even though it's their policy because of, of, of what happened. But if we can pull good from this, if, if this person's death elicits change, I really wish it had never come to it. But if we can extract an entire mindset change within communities you know, I, I hope that happens. I hope that from here on out, we, you know, take off our rose colored glasses and see the world as the black and white that it is and, and try to be on the side of, of the just. And, and I, man, I really, I really hope that all these silent protests become, you know, no, you're not going to do this. You can't do this. I'm sorry. And I think it starts with the attitude change in the police department. It starts in their training. It starts in the way that they handle crisis. It starts in intervention. It starts in everything because they give them body armor and the, and weapons to kill and mm-hmm. they give them a license essentially. So I think that's, that's where it has to start. So my, my, my question is to all of us, but especially um, the white people in here. Um, I have very conservative family members who you know, they keep shouting, all lives matter. Why do they keep saying black lives matter? All lives matter. At the, pro- the protest in our local town, you had, they were, they were, they were deemed, I was watching the live stream, there was the all lives matters protesters and the black lives matters protesters. And they kept saying all lives matter, all lives matter. Um, actually, I'll pose this to you. I, I, I love, David, for you to speak to this a little bit. Like, what is it for you as a black man during this movement of black lives matter to say, no, David, all lives matter? What, and, and to the rest of us, how do we deal with our family members who keep saying that? And like, no, it's not about race. It's all lives matter. It's all lives matter. And we're, we're seeing this all lives matter versus black lives matter escalate, escalate to, you know, point in Medford where we're from, where a gun was pulled on protesters by some guy shouting all lives matter. So yeah. David, how, how, well, how, how does that feel to hear all lives matter during this movement? It's a, it's, it's, it's a counter protest. That's all. It's, it's, yep. it's, it's a stupid notion that is only meant its only purpose is to drown out what, what's really going on. Because the, the truth is it's not that hard of a concept to understand. I mean, plenty of people have broken it down in many different scenarios. You know, if, if, you know, I, I think the, the most elementary one was, you know, if you're, there's a group of kids and there's one kid who got a cut, and you're bringing and you're the person who's bringing the band-aid you don't see the other kids that say hey what what where's our band-aids and stuff mm-hmm. they're attending to the, the the person who's hurt at, the, at that moment and stuff doesn't mean that you guys aren't important or, or anything like that you know uh, you don't get the counter protest for the for the uh the race for heart cancer and stuff you know it's like well what about pancreatic cancer what about breast cancer what about the, you know it's you know what about that no one's you know 
you can you can focus on one thing and without being dismissive of another. And that's where when you realize how easy it actually is to explain all Black Lives Matter is is Black Lives Matter too. When you hear people say all lives matter, I, I, I at this point in my in, in, in my life, I, 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 I don't have a problem explaining once, but I, I'm done after that. I'm just I'm just done. I I don't I really want to focus my energy on people who I can have a conversation with people I can talk to. But when people there's there's people who just kind of sink their hills in and you you tend to know who those people are. You can you can gauge it from the conversation and then it's just done because I I, I really value my time and I, I can't waste it trying to fight a battle where the door is shut the mind's turned off they they don't want to hear what what you know this actually is and what this is about it, it they they took their position and they're holding their position so that's that's my take on that yeah yeah agreed <laughs> uh have you guys had to yes you know, do battle and you know with yep. people in your family, your friends and stuff. And yep. Well, we, we, have, have we you guys lost? I've had I've had white friends who told me they've lost friends and family oh, yeah. members. Not lost uh-huh. a lot of family, but you know they had to shut people out and yeah. stuff. You yeah. know, and- I've unfriended more people this week or muted them on social media than I have in my whole life. And it's I not that. that they're not good people, right? right. Like I. David and I work in a field where we really appreciate and, you know, we come from a place of, of seeing people as individuals, right. And their abilities as people not compared to each other. So, you know, I know that there's good in my family and friends, but that doesn't mean that what they're saying is right. And if I cannot communicate with them in a proactive, positive way to help them see to be better and to change, then I'm not going to hear all of that noisy rhetoric that's going around. So it's just cut out, you know? You know, it, it's funny you say that about like hiding stuff and muting people and stuff. But um, I was I was telling uh, Chris and David last night that my uh, I have a seven-year-old grandson. You all know that. His name's Cashton. And um, I'm only off on Sundays and Wednesdays. And every Saturday morning, every Sunday morning, my wife will call over there and FaceTime with him and um and talk to him and say hi to him and I'm there and I'm talking to him and stuff and this 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 Sunday we were talking and my daughter she got really quiet and my wife said what's the matter and she said and then she told me she said you know that the fact is with everything going on right now that Cashton came up to me last night and asked me if uh if Marsalis's daddy is going to be okay should should I should I worry about him you know and and I've I didn't even know what to say. And I, I called him and I talked to him and, but my daughter started crying and I got off the phone when they got the phone, I was tearing up cause it's, it's that. And then, and then you talk about Amber about putting stuff on Facebook. I put that on Facebook, how, how upset I was about it. And it was a bunch of crap that a seven year old lives in a world where he has to ask that question about his black, about his black friend's dad. You know what I mean? And the, the part that, that drives me absolutely insane about this is that there was one comment on that post and it was from someone I've known since I was in high school who happens to be that same daughter's godfather, put a comment on there saying that 
the, the real issue is that all lives matter and blah, 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 and not that black light and the media is controlling all this. I've uh, never hidden. I've never hidden a comment or blocked a comment ever on Facebook. I actually had to Google and see if I do this, who's going to see that I hid this because I've never done it before. And it, and it just ripped my heart out that the person that I asked to stand up for my daughter so many years ago, and he, I, don't, I don't even care if he's listening right now. And I don't know if he does or not, but the, the fact that he would, he would say something like that when it's his goddaughter's son that made this comment. And it pissed me off. I'm, and I'm not going to lie. And, and it's just the anger. I've, I've been angry about all this. And, and I mean, I don't know if, if anger is a good word. Rightfully show. No, that's I mean, yeah, that. But even, even starting back last week, and I was telling David last night, you know, when I first saw that video, I was like, what's this? And I kind of thumbed through it and I wasn't really paying attention. I'm like, wait a minute. What the, what the heck's going on? And I watched the whole thing. I'm like, this is absolutely blowing my mind. And then, and then this, I think it was the same day that the, the gentleman in, in New York city, they released that video as well with mm-hmm. a gentleman who told the lady that she needs to lease her dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, she, she, uh, yeah. Weaponize. There was a perfect example of weaponizing blackness. Absolutely. She, she, told, she told him, I'm going to call the cops. I'm going to tell them an African-American is threatening me, threatening my life. And he says, please do, please do. And he's videoing it. What would happen if you didn't have a, have a phone? Mm-hmm. The same damn thing could have happened. Mm-hmm. And he, Unbelievable! It blows my mind, and and it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately is, and I don't mean to take over the conversation. I was, I was just a couple. Oh, no, you're, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. Um, you know, we, um, a friend of mine at work who goes back and forth, and I, and I, I have you know thoughts about you know what his where he lies on stuff. Sometime stepped up this week and showed me where he actually lies, and it's actually, you know, on the where he's using his brain. You know what I mean? He messaged me last week. He said, this stuff is crazy. I said, you know what it absolutely is? I said, it reminds me of the riots in LA. I don't, yep. I don't know how old you guys are, but I think I'm probably the oldest. So I was 19 years old when that happened. So I don't know. I know. I think, Andy, you're like 10 years younger than me, but you live down there as well. Yeah. But, yeah. I'm in Turk County. But the, the riots, and, I, and I've been asking this question to myself for the past five or six days now. You know, I lived in the, I lived in the town that the trial was in in Simi Valley. I lived in that town, and the trial took a, like months and months and months. And I drove by that place every single day on my way to my job to go by there and just the, the craziness and and you know. But at that time, there wasn't social media. Mm-hmm. You know, so I asked myself the other day, you know, and I remember the riots, and I remember hearing that they're coming to Simi Valley because that's where the that, that's where the 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 police were. Yeah. So they're coming over the hill from San Fernando Valley. And I was scared. I had a, I had a two-year-old daughter at that time. And I was thinking, I'm freaking out. And I don't, I don't know what's going to happen because you don't know. But the question I've been asking myself for the past week is, if we had social media back then, the way we do now, mm-hmm. instead, of, instead of the grainy little video of Mr. Rodney King being beat by four white police officers, if we had that, if we had that video now, if we had that same stuff back then, what happened last week? Would it have ever even happened? Because, I, like David said, I think that there's a huge movement this last week that people are, are, people's eyes are actually opening up and saying, "Damn, this is a, this, this is a real issue." And like you said, everyone from from every side of the fence is making these comments, acknowledging this. You know, so I didn't mean to take over the show there. I just I, I, I've been just thinking about that. You know, being from yeah, that's, 
being from that's where i worked in los angeles and i worked with many i worked with asians and mexicans and everyone all of them you know yeah. at, at my job and you just it, it, it meant nothing to me because they're i consider all my friends because that's where i'm from andy's from there chris is from the south i'm not sure where amber's from where, where you are but we're all from really big cities where it doesn't really matter as much as it does. And like you said, Andy, about the protest, I was about to throw my phone across the screen, uh, you know, on, on Monday night or Tuesday night, whatever it was, because it was just ridiculous. These guys mounting up in the parking garage because they're going to go downtown with their guns and, and stop all this stuff that never even happened. Right. Yeah. And it never was going to happen either. It wasn't planning on happening. There was no Antifa. There was no busloads of people. No. There's been rumors all over Oregon within the, the smaller communities. We're, yeah. we're actually more, we're more of a medium sized community. Um, we're about a lot of cities in one valley. Um, that, you know, Portland, Portland's sending down all their Antifa fighters and they're going to cause problems. Down right. So, yeah. So, the, so people are mounting up around the flags to protect the flag. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you know, probably meant to discredit yeah. a movement Correct. and a peaceful protest it's it was just it was just crazy to be down uh, there to David, hear you went, both went you were there yeah you and david your, yeah. your, your kids yeah. were there too. i was there i brought my my kids were there they're teenagers yes it was it was it was it was peaceful for the most part. I mean, there's there's always there's always a, a couple people, but you know, people corral the right people. They, you know, there there's always I would say there's 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 the helpers people. You know, the people who who are there with a presence of mind to keep things the way it, it, it was intended to be. And when th- when things started to go with one or two, they were corrected immediately and stuff and and granted there's no such thing as a perfect perfect protest i mean for if you ask some people a perfect protest isn't you know i mean it would be you sitting on on your couch and you know not not doing anything you know i mean you know calvin kaepernick taking the knee to highlight just this (laughs) what we're doing what we're talking about today wasn't a perfect protest and stuff for some people even though that took less than it took to play the national anthem and it was peaceful and it was done but yeah, that's the, the the negative side of social media was that that these rumors of uh, ginning up fears and people do that. I mean, there's people out there who really just want to see the world burn. They they do, and and you you have to you have to kind of see through that. I mean, there's 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 rioting and 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 looting that happens that's happening throughout. I mean, there's there's really a protest. Uh, through in all 50 states here and then some of the riots and some of the stories that you hear a lot of it isn't people who are who are you know protesting for change and stuff it's just people who are really trying to opportunists you know they're op- opportunists that's it you know the, the people are looting and, and everything else and stuff and and what i tell people in response to that you cannot allow uh, looters are looters. You know, they're they're opportunists, and people who are protesting are protesters. You have to be able to separate the same. I mean, mm-hmm. you you and 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 I tell people this who who challenge me. I I ask them this. It's the same thing that you're asking of us when you say um, about all, not all cops are bad. You know, there, there's a few bad apples. Well. I'm asking, I'm telling you, you know, you need to separate protesters and looters and those who are committing crimes and those who are who are creating destruction and stuff. I mean, yes, there is some 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 anger out there. Okay, I kid you not. I, I felt it. I, I experienced it. I was a part of that. Um, you know, you know, Dr. King said, you know, you know, 
riots and anger is just is it's the language of those who are unheard. They're they're you know sick of you know begging politely for justice. They're sick of um, you know um, just just being ignored and stuff. And when you when you get to that point, you're going to just you're going to things are just going to get out of, out of hand and nobody can predict what happens when that the goal is to not let it get there, which is the goal is to, to be heard and to listen to what people are saying, to be believed about what is happening on and the experiences and stuff that people are ha- having. And right now this movement, this momentum, it's, it, it we're not there, but it, it's, it's taking some very purposefully purposeful right steps. So, yeah, it's, I mean, there's, and the thing is, I mean, there's protests all over the world for this. This spark, this isn't just, you know, Minnesota and a few states and, you know, another, this, there's protests all over. They're, they're protesting in, in um, Iran, you know, um, (laughs) which I, that, that blew me, blew me away there. You know, I mean, New Zealand, Australia, Paris, uh, the UK, um, what was the other, um, Hong Kong, there, there's protests all over the world. Um, even Brazil, uh, Brazil had double protests because somebody who had a disability was murdered by a, a cop down there. So they, they held a double vigil for George, George Floyd, as well as that, that young man who, who died down there in Brazil at the hand of a cop, even though, but it's 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 there's a there's a movement and there's momentum yep. and the end game you know a lot of people will like to t- hijack the narrative and say the end game is total chaos and destruction no the the end game is, is for people to be listened to and the end game is for 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 cops to do better the end game is for peace and the end game is for all of us to be treated fairly that's it. We just just equitable treatment. Not not a hard ass, right? You know, not 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 that hard of a, a concept to imagine, you know, happening and stuff. But that's that's all that that's that's all that's anyone really wants. It's just equitable treatment and stuff. Justice when it's needed and fairness when it when it you know when when it's necessary, which is all the time. So yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think a part of, of what this particular time has done for me is that I've kind of set that part of working on myself and my maybe unconscious bias. You know, I thought I'd done all of that work a really long time ago. And part of what this has done compared to other moments that have happened over the years is it's really made me stop and ask myself all of those things again and like really look again internally do homework, do research, you know, deeply think about myself again and how I see the world either consciously or unconsciously and, you know, take the time to actually put in some work and not dismiss it as, oh, no, I've done this work before. Like I've taught on bias before, you know, this, I don't need to do anything else. I'm done. Like I've fixed myself, you know, like I, I got trapped in this pattern of, I no longer have growth to do in this area. And I don't care who the hell you are. You should always be looking at those things and those unconscious bias and trying to address them and root them out. Even if you think you've already done that work, like keep looking at it over and over again. And this has totally like brought that back out and opened my eyes to the fact that I still had stuff to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
and and Sean to to piggyback on what you said, mm-hmm. even all the way in in Louisiana, I was a freshman in high school when when they released the verdict, and uh, my mother held me out from school. It was it was advised that that I that I not attend for a couple of days because tensions had gotten uh, mm-hmm. so high, and and so so bad, and 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 the 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 racial structure of the the, the school I was attending at the time, East Jefferson. High school was uh, whites were the minority for the for the most part. It was a predominantly um, uh, black and Hispanic high school, and um, I, my brother and I stayed home. We 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 didn't go to school, and there was a huge, huge fight that happened in the cafeteria that day uh, between idiots. Really, just yeah, you know, pe- people fueled on on rage and 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 pain and hurt and. Uh, and you thought that maybe that would be the catalyst for change, and obviously, right? It it, it it hasn't been, but you know, it's it's a subtle reminder that that if if we're upset about these things that are caught on videotape, imagine how much is not oh, videotaped, mm-hmm. and 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 live with with that fear in your head for a little bit that that. Even even in an age like today, where everyone has cell phones available and and can videotape, there I I guarantee you, seventy percent of the stuff that happens is not caught. And another part of holding officers accountable is is making them all be required to wear cameras and have those cameras active at all times. Yeah, not be allowed to turn them off. Yes, yeah, you can't. Convenient. They can't turn them off. It's convenient for you. You know. Yep. And and you know that could be. I I feel that if a if an officer is given a, a body cam and they turn it off, that that would be grounds for termination. Like that's, you know, you, why did you turn it off? You know, now you have no proof. Now we don't know what happened. Higher standard. Yeah. It should Holding be running to it. It should be running their whole shift. I'm sorry. The minute they get in their car, whenever they leave the station, there's no 100%. reason. You can't be around the whole time. At least yep. audio recording my- or something. And then, you know, so you got to have something because there's so many holes and stuff. I mean, just like even when this first came out, you know, the first autopsy report was, oh, yeah, he had all these other issues. And then obviously they're trying to cover it up. And it's, yep. you know, it's just it's disgusting. It's it's sad that I'm 46 years old and and I think back over my whole life that the most disturbing things I've seen in my whole life all revolve around race. And I think it's just, it's just awful. And, and to, to think, to, to think about that is just, it's, it's sad, but I, I do hope that all this stuff that that's happening does create some kind of change, you know, for everyone. So. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, for me, the, 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 I mean, there, there, there's a whole issue with, with the autopsy thing where, you know, we, you know, they, the family hired a, uh, they actually raised money and hired a, a secondary, um, not, and not just anyone like this, this guy, uh, I, I can't remember his, his, his name, but, um, he, he, he taught actually how to do proper autopsies. He's, he's a top, he's a world renowned, uh, medical examiner. And he's the one who did the, ba- the, you know, the additional uh, autopsy and who made the determination that it was asphyxiation from sustained pressure and, and all that stuff. But, um, it's, it, it just goes to show like there's a, there's a systematic issue that, that needs to get that needs to get resolved. I mean, people, and I get it, you know, you, you have your friends, you want to protect them, but there, there's a point in time where you have to be like, I, I can't, 
who am I as a person to protect you from something this bad that you did? And that needs to ring through and break through somehow that, that blue wall of, of protectionism that a lot of these bad apples enjoy. Um, you know, they, they hide behind. And like, like you said, someone said earlier, they just get, they just shift one bad apple to another department. It wasn't like they get to, you know, they now be, are polished and clean and a brand new apple, same thing. And it's a system that needs to change. So I think, you know, I'll just, I'll just, I know we're over an hour here, but this is, this is what I'll just say. And and it's really all I I really came here to say, because I I know we have a, you know, we're, we're not a, we're not huge global, you know, uh, you know, the DCAS isn't yet. We're we're on our way there though. We will be all over the, all over the globe. But I just want to say this to the, to the audience and stuff like, um, as a black person in America, you know, there's 45 million black people. Um, there's, you know, uh, I think it's 40 million, 35 million uh, Hispanics. And the people of color are the minority here. Um, when you're in a minority, it's hard to, it's almost impossible to affect change completely on your own. You have to do it with allies. And and white people in this country, there's 225 million white people in this country. There, and when they speak in a, in a unifying voice, things happen. And it's not up to black people to fix this and to change this. It's going to be up to you guys out there who are, who are white, who it's up to you to not be silent. It's up to you to speak out. If you see something happening, don't be afraid in this day era, bring out your video camera. If you can't speak up and film it. I mean, it's, it's, we're in the era of holding people accountable and when that happens by the majority, things change. And boy, it's it's a great thing to see when 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 things change for the better. And so that's all that's all all, all I want to kind of leave you guys with um, from me. So well said. Uh, yep. It's not an easy topic to talk about, no. um, but it's one that <clears throat> we as uh, somewhat influencers you know, that we've, we've, we've chosen to, to make our stand. And I feel like we're, we're standing on the, on the side of right. Um, also want to give shouts out to really high profile people who are doing the same, uh, John yes. Boyega. Oh yeah. And, and who's risked his entire career. And uh, I think he's going to be just fine. Oh, yeah. uh, Denzel Washington, who just today uh, jumped out of his car, uh, fed a man, who is in a could have been in an intense situation and then calmed everything down while still wearing his mask. The man is a king and he deserves his crown. And um, I mean, a- anyone who's who's using their platform, Seth Rogen, who is Seth Rogen, not I, dealing with anything. He's no, not. I, I can't. We can't tell you what he said. He's he's out how he's responding, but I am definitely in support. <laughs> I mean, he he is he is right now just not caring about anything except what is right in the world. And, and if you don't like it, he'll tell you straight out, don't watch my movies. You're not allowed anymore. You're punished. You're grounded. That's it. I mean, so, we got, and we got corporations there. I mean, Disney, Disney himself, they're, they're matching uh, donations uh, towards um, to some of these nonprofit organizations that are helping uh, with, with the cause and stuff. And so they're, they're matching for their, for some of their employees who are, who are wanting to give money to help and stuff. And so they're shout out, I mean, shout out to, to them and to other big companies. I mean, Ben and from Ben and Jerry's ice cream, 
to i mean there's 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 a list i wish i wrote out the list but it would be ridiculously too long because yeah it's and it's it's about it's about time you know it we can't just ignore it and just sweep it sweep it away and, and pretend like it, if it doesn't affect my life i, I i'm not going to worry about it so yeah so uh i think <laughs> i think that that'll about uh, do it for this episode uh thank I you do, for... I do wanna, oh I wait do please say, yes real quick um there educate yourself Yes. talk to your black friends be have a blunt conversation if you are in a situation maybe you don't have any black friends there are resources get online get, get, some, get some black friends get you some. <laughs> get some there are resources online i know i know amber was talking yesterday that she uh went on netflix and ava duvernay's documentary which rocked my world and changed my life oh, as a oh, 13th Oh my you God. need to watch those things because it talks about the roots of systemic racism yeah. in our country. So you good. have to watch that. Uh, also, Just Mercy um, is being, you can rent it for free now. Yeah, shout out to Warner Lincoln. Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warner Brothers like, yeah, let's make it happen. Black Klansman, I'd encourage you to, to, to see that. Um, there's the, Those films do an amazing job of showing what systemic, the, the roots of systemic racism um, in our country and where it comes from. And, and and the, what we need to do as a country and people to combat those things. So, I mean, even even right now on Apple Apple TV, there's the, the banker right now with um, mm-hmm. Anthony Mackie and, and Samuel L. Jackson talks about some of the injustices that happened in the sixties with the financial system, how a black person could not, you know, own a own bank. A bank. Oh, yeah. so, yep. so much good entertainment out there to educate yourself along with resources from the urban league and NAACP and so many other places, um, or just go look at the hashtag black lives matter. So many amazing resources right now. Yeah. Or look up just how to be an ally. Like, uh, that article that David posted that link for like, that's what started my like dive, you know, and it starts out just saying, don't necessarily ask a person of color to educate you. It's work you have to do on you. And mm-hmm. for you, like, just start researching, reading some stuff, and then bring those things to have some real rich dialogue. You know? Absolutely. It was good. So thank you for that. Great. Anyone else want to say anything on behalf? I think we're... Wow. All right. I think that's <laughs> it. So uh, this has been a, a special special episode of the DCAST. We will return to our our, I guess, regularly scheduled format. <laughs> next week (laughs) Uh, but we thank you all here for letting us bend your ear for a little bit and uh, let's all together uh, try to do better to make tomorrow better so this is all of us here at the DCAST signing off